0: Yeah, how we doing, church? We good? Happy Mother's Day, everybody. How we doing? Feeling good? What a great day. Uh, I just want to take a minute and want to welcome everybody who is watching online. Online, we love you. We love you here. We love you there. We love you everywhere. And the best way we can show you that is by clapping. So come on, will you put your hands together for everybody who's joining us today. We love you. So glad that you're with us. And so glad that you're here for Mother's Day. Moms, we love you. We would literally not be here without you. So thank you for that. And guys, it's a very special day because my mom is actually here all the way from Detroit. Mom, would you just give a little wave right here? There she is, right there, second wave. Debbie June. So this is pretty amazing because... Uh, my mom, we grew up not in church. We grew up not serving the Lord. My mom uh, gave her heart to Christ when I was in second grade and brought our whole family in, changed all of our lives. And uh, so, thank you, Mom, so much for serving Jesus. So awesome. So cool. Um, and I want to take a minute, I, I, before we jump into our content, I want to say uh, a huge praise the Lord for 36 baptisms, everybody. That was just amazing. God is, God is so good. And it was such a special time as, uh, as we had the privilege... Pastor Roger and I had the privilege of being in that tank, baptizing each one, hearing their stories, getting a chance to speak life and speak encouragement and speak hope and promise over their lives. It's so cool to see what God is doing in people's lives and how He's changing people. And so, so uh, just really genuinely thrilled. About how God is moving in our church, and so thankful for our amazing volunteers and, and all of the people who support and, and are a part of this. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that loves seeing people find and follow Jesus. It's really exciting and it's happening. Come on, somebody, let's give him some praise. He's worthy. It's good. And I want to say uh, a huge thank you to everybody for traversing the conditions out in the parking lot, okay? We we work hard to figure out how difficult we can make it for you to come to church, and so yeah, we're just like oh yeah, it's crossing the Red Sea. We'll just cross the stone sea there, and if you can make it, then you really want to be here. So, anyways, thanks. Parking lot hopefully this week, so we'll have some more parking. So the shuttle we hopefully won't need that anymore. But uh, thank you so much for being patient with us and uh, we were just excited about what God's doing. All right, well, we are in a series called God Is. Uh, where well, we're asking the question, do you know who God is? And, and, and if, you had, if you had a piece of paper and you were writing God is, what would you put in that blank? What would you fill in that blank? That, that answer is really, really important because if God is who he says he is, then what you think about God really, really matters. If God is the creator of the world, if he's he's the one who sustains this whole thing, if if he's the one who's driving this whole thing, then what you think about him is really, really significant. In fact, A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I really believe that's true. So the question is, what do you think about God? How do you describe him? What do, you, what do you think of him? And, and we're looking at the names of God. The, these are names that are found mostly in the Old Testament, but there's, there's these interactions that people have with God. They have these moments where God interacts with them. They have an encounter with God. They leave changed, and they're like, God is like that. And it gives us just a little bit of perspective on who he is, his nature, his character. And when we understand that, it will literally change everything about us. And so we've been looking at these different names. If you missed any of them, I want to encourage you to go online or you can download our app, catch up on these messages. They're very, very helpful. But today we're going to be looking at the name El Royi. All right. It's found in Genesis 16. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, But it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible and I've never preached on it before. And so I was really excited to get to it in this series. And it's fitting for today because it's a story of a mama. Everybody say aw. And it's not just a story of a mama, it's a story of two mamas. Everybody say aw, aw. <laughs> but these mamas got some drama. Everybody say oh, oh. <laughs> like this is, this is not good. This is a bad situation, all right. And, but it does give us the opportunity to see a revelation of who God is. He's the God who sees. And we'll unpack that here in just a second. This this mama has a revelation of God. She has this interaction with God, and she says, I've seen the one who sees me. Now, we all like to be noticed in life. Nobody nobody wants to be completely invisible, although there are moments where we want to be somewhat invisible, right? If you ever, if you ever like... You've been out walking somewhere in a park in a all, and you trip and and uh, you kind of just like, and then you kind of look around to see if anybody saw you, you know, or like th- that's a moment that you want, you kind of want to be invisible or you say something like, like I, that you wish you wouldn't have said or you do something that you wish you wouldn't have done. You're like, man, I just want to, I want to be invisible now um, or adolescence. You kind of just want to be invisible right you kind of want to go hide a, a little bit uh men maybe you can relate to this you ever been in a situation where you're watching a movie and uh you know you're trying to impress somebody you know maybe it's a you're, you're dating a girl and you're trying to impress her but the movie's really hitting you and you start crying a little bit no 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 guys ever cried <laughs> watching a movie like I, I, it's like really bad for me like I I watched Kurt Warner anybody see the American underdog anybody see that movie cried the whole time the entire time I was with my father-in-law it was amazing so embarrassing I was just like oh man it's just allergies man just allergies there are moments we want to hide but for the most part we want to be seen this starts from the moment we're born right when we're born babies come out screaming <laughs> They come out screaming. In fact, if they're not crying, something's wrong, right? When, when they're crying, it's like, oh man, this baby's healthy because it needs some food. It needs to be changed. If a, if a baby doesn't cry, it's not gonna make it. So we start out saying, notice me, see me. And this continues on through life a bit, right? And now it's big business. Thank you, social media, right? We want everybody to notice everything about us back in the day when I was growing up like what you had for lunch was your business (laughs) nobody knew unless you told them later to their person or on the phone now you take 16 different pictures of that food your food's getting cold (laughs) so you can take a picture of it and send it out to everybody And what do you hope happens? When you post it out to the interwebs, you're hoping somebody looks through that and says, that's the best looking salad I've ever seen. Heart that. You know what I'm saying? That's what you're hoping. And you've gone back and you've looked. Only three likes? You want somebody to notice you and it's just a little bit of how we are. You know, it's just, it's just amazing as as we grow up, we want to be noticed, and there's probably nothing worse than being invisible. Right? There's probably nothing worse than just going through life, going through work, going through your daily activities, and nobody noticing you. Now, maybe for the introverts, how many introverts do we have? You're not going to raise your hand, I have to be honest. <laughs> That was a trick question. <laughs> introverts are like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but even introverts, like after a while, you're like, at least notice what I've done, right? It gets really challenging, this whole idea of notice me, when, uh, when you're going through a difficult situation or a difficult season. I think that's when you really want someone to, to see you, Right? You want someone to see your situation, see what you're going through, see your struggles and say, hey, I see you and I care and and I want to do something about that. There's nothing worse than being invisible when you're going through a difficult season. And that's the context of our revelation of God's name in Genesis 16. It's this, it's this woman, Hagar, and she's going through a very difficult situation. And she walks away saying, I've seen the God who sees me. The name is El-Royhi, all right? Hebrew, it's El-Royhi. I worked really hard at that. And I'd like for all of you to participate. El-Royhi. Come on, try that, everybody. Yeah, you got to get, that was good. But you got to get a little bit more of the, okay, try a little bit more of that. All right, let's try this. El Royi. All right, that was way too much spit. All right, it's way too much spit. Okay. Um, all right, this is El Royi is the God who sees me. And the context of this passage is, again, Genesis 16. And just a few chapters ago in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I'm going to do something great in your life and I'm going to do something great through your life. You're going to have lots of descendants, and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And it's in this context that we we read our story today of a a woman who has been mistreated, and she runs, and she finds the God who sees her. All right, so we're going to make some observations. I want to walk through this text. We're going to make some observations, and then we'll have a couple conclusions at the end. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. All right, let's do this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, now this is Abraham and Sarah. God has not changed their name yet. So, this is before God has changed their name, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Everybody say, Uh oh. This is where things go bad. Okay, now let me, let me just give you, again, a little bit more context. Abram was 75 when he got the promise from God that he would have many descendants. That's kind of old for having kids, right? Sarai was 65. So we're already behind when it comes to childbearing. Now this is 10 years into the promise, and Sarai is getting impatient, have you ever been impatient waiting on God? Just raise your hand if you've ever been impatient waiting on God for something. It's me like every day. Like every day I'm like, okay, God, what about this? Like, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Why isn't this here yet? Like we've been praying about this. You've been, like we've been, you've been speaking this to my heart. Why isn't this happening yet? This is Sarai. And so she says... I want to take matters into my own hand. Let's move this thing along. And why don't you have some babies with my servant? Now, this is not a good idea. The reason this is not a good idea is because God has a plan of how he wants this thing done. He established it in the garden. One man, one woman. In holy matrimony. God has a plan. And every time, now what you say, well, don't look in the Bible. There's all these kinds of weird things happening. Every time you have someone deviate from God. God's plan in the Bible, it goes horribly, horribly wrong for that person, and that's exactly what's happening in this situation as well. So this is a chance for Abram, the man of God, the father of the faith, to stand up and say, Sarai, that's not a good idea. God has a plan. I want to follow God's plan. God's going to do something great. We're going to believe, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he doesn't do that because as much as he believes that, he believes another reality, and that's this. If mama ain't happy, (laughs) come on, you finish it. Ain't nobody happy. Ain't nobody happy. So he doesn't stand up. And so Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife, and he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Everything is going to work out, right? She's, she's pregnant. This is going to be amazing. Wrong. Cue the mama drama. When, when she, Hagar, knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So she gets pregnant. She's like, oh, Sarai, how you like me now? You could just see her like around the, you know, they they lived in tents back then. So, you know, they're living in tents and you could just see her looking across, across the way being like, It really is. what The word despised is kalal. It means to slight, swift, or trifle. It means to look upon someone with contempt, accursed. She's getting nasty. She's getting nasty. Now, how you know this is not good? You step out of God's plan, things start going badly. And, of course, this makes Sarai real unhappy, right? So she does what a lot of us do when we get ourselves into bad situations, She blames somebody else. (laughs) Watch this, verse 5. This is amazing. The Bible's amazing. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. Now, pause. Whose idea was this? (laughs) Sarai's. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between me and you. You know what Abraham's thinking? Are you kidding me? This was your idea. I can't even believe you coming up here like that, telling me it's my fault. You step on back, woman. That's what he's thinking, but he didn't say that. Because Abram's smart. You know what he says? Yes, dear. He says, your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, The word mistreated is anah. It means to afflict, to disturb, to do violence. Sarai is making life difficult for Hagar at best. She's beating her at worst. So she fled from her. Hagar flees. And she runs. And she goes back to Egypt. She was bought in Egypt. And now she's going back to Egypt, and she's in the desert. To get back to Egypt, she's got to go through a desert. She's got to go through the wilderness. And she's alone, and she's pregnant, and she's in the desert. She's been mistreated, and she says, does anybody see me? Does anybody care? Does anybody know what I'm going through? And her conclusion is that no, nobody does. And it's when it's in this moment when God shows up and says, oh, no, 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 I do. I see you. Look at this. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. Now, what's interesting, this is the first time that the phrase the angel of the Lord is mentioned. So we've heard about God, but this is the first time the angel of the Lord, and this isn't just an angel. This is God himself. God is showing up to this Egyptian slave who's been mistreated and says, verse 8, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Then God goes to explain what his life will be like. And her conclusion in verse 13 is amazing. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are el the God who sees me. For I have now seen the one who sees me. What a perspective change, right? She sees the one who sees her. She's seen a lot of life. She's seen a lot of difficulty. She's seen a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment. Growing up, she probably saw a lot of gods, small g, gods in egypt but now she sees the one who sees her and it changes everything about her and i want to tell you the same is true or can be true for you that there is a god who created everything and and you might be finding yourself in a wilderness desert type of situation where you're wandering where you're looking where you're running from a bad situation And you're finding yourself making it worse in the process. And you know what? There's a God who today wants to speak hope and life into your heart and says, I see right where you are. And I want to do something about it. He's the one who sees you. And so I want to unpack this. I want to look at this. There's two conclusions that I want to walk away with this from. And the first is this. There is always drama when we don't trust God's vision. And following God's vision helps us overcome any drama we might face. Two powerful thoughts that I think will change us and and will speak truth right into our lives today. And we're going to learn from this this baby mama drama, okay. We're going to learn these great lessons from baby mama drama. Before we do, I want you to find 16 people next to you and say, hey, God sees you so you can save the drama for your mama. Come on, tell 16 people, God sees you so you can save that drama for your mama. First thing, there is always drama when we don't trust God's vision. Or you could, you could say it this way. There's always drama when we don't see what God sees. Or we don't see the way he sees or like he sees. That's what happens. That's how this thing begins to unravel. The Lord has kept me from having children Sarai says, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Everybody say, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. He's getting creative. He's thinking, perhaps God needs a little assist here. Perhaps God needs a little help. You know, I know God knows everything. and Like, he created the world and all, all that stuff. But maybe but maybe he just needs me to come through and just be like, ah, I gotcha. Perhaps, have you ever said perhaps? Have you ever been like, God, I think, I know you know everything, and I know you have a plan, and you spoke, but perhaps I'm just gonna step outside of your will for a minute and help you out. How many of you know God doesn't need any help from us? He doesn't need any creativity from us, He just needs willing, faithful obedience. That's all he wants. But Sarai gets creative. She doesn't get counsel. She doesn't pray. And she literally goes against God's will to bring this about, to bring about God's will. That never works. We talked about this last week, but it's really important that we understand this. We think a lot of times that freedom Us exercising our freedom is the way we're going to get what we want, the way we're going to get freedom. Us doing whatever we want is where we're going to experience freedom. But how many of you know doing whatever we want usually just leads to bondage? Doing whatever we want usually just leads to brokenness. Doing whatever we want just leads to confusion. It's confusing. God has a way. We want to find that way, but Sarah didn't. She didn't respond. She didn't respect what God had to say. You can tell this because in Genesis 18, two chapters later, God shows up to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have descendants too numerous to count. And Sarah laughs at God. Now, it's never a good thing to laugh at God. Watch this. Verse 10, Genesis 18. Then one of them said, 'This this is God, I will surely return. To you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. So, so God's having this conversation with Abraham, and Sarah gets close and she's listening. And and uh, Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So, Sarah, she laughed to herself. <laughs> Am I, after being worn out, and my Lord is old? Not a great thing to say about your husbands, by the way, ladies. She's saying, my husband's old. Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord's like, hey, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return and you will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied. She said, so she's listening. And God's like, hey, did she just say that? Why did she laugh? And she's like, I did not laugh. And God goes, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) I heard you. I'm God. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's interesting? She laughs off the promise. You know, when we laugh off what God says, we got to be careful because we might just miss out on what God has. You know, that can happen. You might be in a situation where you're like, God can't do that. God can't fix my marriage. God can't heal my body. The doctors, have, they've already said, God, God, God can't change my perspective. God can't change my life. God can't mend my broken heart. This is why it's so important to know who God is. We talked about this at the very first message, but he is the I am. It means the being one. It means he's the, he's the one who was. He's the one who is, and he is the one who is yet to come. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the God of the impossible. He spoke the world into existence and he can speak hope into your heart. He can change your situation. There's nothing that he can't do. That's what he's saying. Is the arm of the Lord too short? Is there anything that God can't do? You know what the answer is? No. God can do anything. If he can create the world, he can fix your problem. He can fix your situation. And he is the one who sees, and he is the one who knows, and he is the one who wants to engage and meet you right where you are. It's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. This is why we've got to have a clear vision of who he is we got to have a clear understanding of his way. Because if not, we're going to mess ourselves up. Proverbs 29, 18. We use this when we're talking about vision for the church. But I love this verse. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. See, if you can't see God's vision for your life, if you can't see what God has for you, you're going to keep making a mess out of things. You're gonna keep stumbling and tripping and going through life disappointed. It's never gonna bring you where you wanna go. But I love the second half of, but if we attend to what he reveals, we're most blessed. If we attend to what he reveals. But these ladies don't. And it goes from bad to worse to even more. Difficult, it's crazy, nobody's praying nobody's serving, nobody's following God, and it's going wrong. Some of you, you may have got yourself into a situation like that. And you know what? You want to blame somebody else, but you can't. Because it's hard, right? When you find yourself in a situation that, that's difficult, you want to blame somebody. It's like, But you did this, but you did that, and if you wouldn't have, and man, if you would just stop. The reality is, we've gotten ourselves in this situation. Our selfishness, our sinfulness, it only leads to bondage. But the good news is, God wants to lift us up. And that's what happens. Look, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring, and he asked her two questions. This is really important Where have you come from, and where are you going? If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Where have I come from and where am I going? Because you know what? For some of you, God has brought you out of something really amazing. Like he's he's delivered you. You were in bondage and he set you free. You were you were you were you were trapped by the lies of the enemy. And God showed you his truth. You were were going your own way. You've gone away from him, and he's brought you out. He's brought you out of that. That's what he had done for Hagar. He had taken her out of Egypt, which had to be a more difficult situation than she was in, because at least Abram and Sarai believed in God, and she wanted to go back. So, where she had been brought out of, she was going back to. This is really significant. She was going back to what God had brought her out of. It's tempting to do sometimes, isn't it? God has brought you out of something that was very difficult, and He's brought you into light. And you know what? That old life, if we're not careful, keeps calling, doesn't it? It's tempting. Man, if I could go back, if I could give into my flesh, if I could could do what I want to do, if I could choose my own way, if I could just go back, man, I could control it. It's going to be amazing. How many of you know there is nothing for you there but bondage and disappointment? Here's the the thing about it. Hagar leaves. She leaves this, this situation. She's running. She's in the desert. She's pregnant. She's by herself. She's not even gonna make it to Egypt. And what condition will she make it to Egypt in? That's what the devil wants to do, though, doesn't he? He wants to get us to leave security. He wants us to get us to leave the place that he wants to pour out our blessing. Oh, I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna be fine. And you know what? It's self destructive behavior. Have you ever gone back to self destructive behavior? There's nothing for you there. And that's where God wants to show us his vision for our life. And that's the second point. Following God's vision helps us overcome any drama we might face. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress, check this out, and submit to her. That doesn't sound like a very fairy tale ending, right? Go back. Like, it would be cool if it would be like, go back, and you guys are going to be best friends. Or go back, and you're going to be her master. (laughs) Like, that would be even better, right? Like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good word. I'll take that. It says, go back and submit to her, and I will increase your descendants so much that it will be too numerous to count. I want to focus on the second thing first, and then we'll we'll hit the, the first thing. But it's this. She says, I'm, God says, I'm going to bless you in unbelievable ways. I want you to know this. God's vision for your life is always abundance. There's three people who believe that. <laughs> I want to encourage you with this. If you don't believe it, God's vision for your life is always abundance. It's true. It's true. That's what Jesus came to bring, right? He came, he came to bring more and better life than we could ever ever ask or imagine. John 10.10. 10. He, he, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we could have life overflowing. God wants abundant life. He wants life to flow in and through you. You can see this in Genesis 1 with Adam. And Eve. You can see this with Abram in Genesis 12 or Moses in Exodus or David in first Samuel or Jeremiah when the people were in exile. God says something that He says to you and me today, for I know the plans I have for you, declares to the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a very overflowing, abundant future. That's true. Let me just tell you, that's not just religious jargon or words written on an old book. That's God's will for your life. He wants you to live, not go through motions and not be in bondage and slave to your desires. He wants to set you free from that. He wants you to live in freedom. But how's it going to look? By going back to your mistress and submitting to her. Americans, we don't want to hear that, <laughs> right? Like, we're like, nope, that's not what we're about. But you know, how, you know how, much, how difficult this had to be for Hagar? She ran away, and now she has to come back, the walk of shame. And, and you know what? We know, if you read a couple chapters later, that this does not go well for her. In fact, once Sarah is able to conceive and, and has her own child, she says, it's time for Hagar to leave. So this relationship was never good. This wasn't roses. This was difficult. God calls Hagar to go to a difficult situation? Really? Yeah. And you know what he oftentimes does? He oftentimes will call you into a difficult situation. In fact, with salvation, he calls all of us to surrender our rights up to Him. But it's in that that we find forgiveness. It's in that that we find freedom. When we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for Him, that we find the abundant life that He promises. So we die to ourselves so that His Spirit can live. That's how this thing works. And you know who does this perfectly? Jesus, who leaves heaven, comes to earth in obedience, he lives a sinless life, he relates to us, he connects with, with mankind, and, and then he goes to the cross, and, and he, says, he says, he knows it's going to be difficult, and he gets to a point where he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if there's any way for this to to pass, any way for this cup to pass from me, let it happen, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He prays that prayer, and then what does he do? He goes to a cross, dies on the cross for our sins, and then he resurrects again so that we can live, and the Bible says this, that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies, See, God wants you to live with life. He wants you to live with overflowing abundance. He wants you to live with a, a favor and a grace on your life, but you've got to submit to him. Otherwise, you'll be missing out on what he has for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. He died so that we can live. So when you die to your flesh, you're going to live with his spirit. Some of you, here's the reality. You find yourself in a situation where you're like, I don't know if God sees me. The reality is he does. And he he wants to promise life to you. He wants to promise overflowing, abundance, freedom from sin. He absolutely wants that for you. But it's going to look like you giving up your rights. Laying your life down, saying, Jesus, you can take it all. Because I've done what I can do, and it's not working out real well. So I want to lay my life down, and I want to trust you. Have your way in my life. I make you king. Who's the king in your life? God wants to be the one who sees you because he does see you. He wants to meet you right in your difficulty. He wants to pull you up out of that. He has has a promise for you. He has abundance for you but you gotta stop running. You gotta stop doing it your own way. There's this struggle and you gotta come to a point where you say, okay, I'm gonna turn and I'm going back. I'm going back to where you have me, and what you want from me. If you, do, if you do that, you will live and you'll experience the goodness and grace of God. I was thinking about another verse this week. It's, it's, it's found in 2 Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord... Range throughout the earth seeking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him God wants to strengthen you God's looking for you the question is who's he going to find someone who's so busy doing their own thing or someone who's willing to turn and say God I want to do your thing I pray that for all of us the answer to that question is yes would you pray with me Father thank you so much thank you so much for your goodness thank you so much for your loving kindness. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that all of us have in you, new life, resurrection life. God, we can have hope. We can live abundant if we'll just follow you. God, I pray for, for all of us that we would say yes to you, that we would stop running. God, I pray that our families would be strong that we would we'd stop doing our own thing but we do your thing that, that we would turn to you and find the freedom that you bring for all of us let that be the case we want you Lord with every head bowed and every eye closed I just want to take a moment I want to ask you just a quick question some of you are here today and the reality is you've been you've been running from God you've been running from God and the reality is, your situation is going to get worse and worse and worse. And the devil—he's all about it. He wants to get you into a desert all by yourself, where you're caught in between, where there, where there's, there's, where you feel like like you're past the point of no return. But the reality is, you're never past the point of no return. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you can turn in one moment and experience salvation. You can turn in one moment and say yes to God and say, yes, Lord, I want all that you have for me. And if you're here today and God's speaking to you, he's calling you, he's like Hagar, he's stopping you. And he's saying, hey, I see you and I have a plan for you and I want to do amazing things in you. But it's going to start with you turning and submitting to him. If you're here today and god's calling he's reaching out and he's saying i want you home i want you home i want you to know me i want to pray for you you're here today and god's doing he's speaking to you right now he's he's meeting you on your road on your road he's meeting you and he's calling to you he sees you and he wants to do something amazing in your life if you would just say yes in just a moment i'm gonna count to three and if you're here today you say man i need to make a decision to follow christ Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and say, I'll, I'll raise my hand, Scott, would you pray for me? And as you do that, God's, God will see you're responding to him, and he'll meet you right there. And he will, just like he did for Hagar, he will change everything about you. He will give you, he will give you joy. He will give you abundance. He wants to do it. But you got to say yes. I'm gonna to count to three. If that's you, say, Scott, would you pray for me? You're making a decision to follow Christ for the first time or for the first time in a long time. You say, man, I need to get back to God. I'm gonna to count to three. One, God is calling you. He sees you. He notices you. And he loves you. Two, he came and he died on a cross so that you could experience eternal life. Three, just lift up your hand and say yes. All across this place, hands going up, I see it. Now, i just want to recognize you hold your hand up i want to see your hand all across this place so many hands reaching out i want you to know god sees every single one of them and he loves you and just hold your hand up i want to pray for you father i pray for every person right now who's responding god i pray you would meet them in this moment i pray that you would do what only you can do that god they would find life and joy and peace in abundance, Lord, as they trust in you and stop trusting in themselves. Lord, let it happen, I pray. Lord, let it happen, I pray. Let your kingdom come in their lives as they make a decision to follow you. Lord, I pray they would, they would walk with you and know you. And Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down to the front. And I just want to say to everybody who raised their hand, it's the best decision you can ever make. It really is. It changes everything about you. And we're so excited for you. And if you raise your hand and you would like prayer, we'd like, to, we'd like to invite you to come down. We'll pray for you. Or if you have a need of any other kind, you need a physical need. You need encouragement. You need help in your marriage. You need a financial miracle, healing in your body. We want to pray for you. We believe that God answers prayer. We're going to take a moment. We're just going to worship just for a moment, and if you want prayer, come down to the front. Church, can we just lift our hands across this place and say, King Jesus, have your way. King Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just take a moment, worship. If you need prayer, come down to the front. We'd love to pray for you.